Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. The Coffee Clash and Special Needs Talk Radio Network feature outstanding programming for the special needs community. Our team of hosts provide educational interviews. Our shows are not designed to provide listeners with specific or personal medical, legal, or professional service or advice. Parents of children with health issues should always consult their health care provider for medical advice, medications, or treatment. Any show discussing rights and law for special needs children and special education are presented as general information and not legal advice. Special Needs Coffee Clash Limited does not promote any hosts or guests' individual practice, programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Good evening and welcome to the Bright Not Broken radio show. I am Diane Kennedy, co-host, and we have a wonderful guest this evening with us that we are very excited to speak about his new book, of Dr. Enkman. Are you here? Yes, I am. Wonderful to have you this evening. I apologize um, for my delay. I've had some computer problems on my end, but it looks like we're off to a start. And before uh, we get to our questions, I'd like to just read a little bit about what we're going to be speaking about tonight and talk a little bit about um, your background. Our guest, as I said, is Dr. Ralph Ankeman. He's a veteran psychiatrist and the author of Hope for the Violently Aggressive Child. Dr. Ankeman's work focuses on an alternative approach to treatment and management of severe meltdowns and aggression. These behaviors have often been associated with autism, bipolar, and other related conditions, and they're commonly treated with psychotropic drugs, something which we have discussed here many times, which often um, these do not fully resolve those behaviors, and they may cause unnecessary side effects. Dr. Enkerman shares detailed case histories and explains through his personal experience how he has successfully treated patients and how many of these behaviors may be able to be treated with safer medications that can target the adrenaline systems. Welcome, Dr. Enkerman. And if you would, as we get started here this evening, please tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to write this book. Well, I've been a doctor over 50 years. In the last 25 years, 35 years, I've been a psychiatrist. And I've worked exclusively with developmentally disabled and uh, brain injured. So in 1960, 1986, I mean, Uh I started the Special Psychiatric Unit at Madison County Hospital in London, Ohio. This was an unusual unit because it specialized in the special needs unit of those developmentally disabled, especially those that were violent and those that were aggressive. Uh During During that time, I treated these patients, and I noticed that they had overactivity of their adrenaline system, fast pulses, high blood pressures, especially when they were violent. So I started looking at these from a psychiatric and a neurological perspective and thought we need to use anti-adrenaline medicines in in my clinical practice. 
Well, this led to to improvement and a better understanding of what really causes a, the aggression. It's not mental illness. It's immature adrenaline reactivity. Well, I wrote this book now because I was very much over retirement age, and I have realized that with my uh, Parkinsonism, I'm going to have to get something on paper before I'm unable to. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, and that's that's admirable. I mean, your dedication to want to pass this information on is just, is just really a phenomenal thing. And I know that <clears throat> to all the families you have helped and hopefully to those who will find um, your information, if they're new to learning about you, I'm sure will be so appreciative of your willingness, despite your own personal health um, hurdles that you have to overcome, that you have taken time to bring this to the public eye. Okay. Thank you. And, um, you know, as you just discussed the adrenaline systems, and I know it's something some people are familiar with, but um, maybe they haven't associated it with these conditions and with some of these behaviors. So if you could just kind of tell us what the adrenaline systems are and what are some of these associated behaviors that resemble those that are found in many of these developmental disorders. Okay. Oh, you know, most people know about adrenaline. They say things like, I had an adrenaline rush, or just fight, fight. What people don't realize, even doctors, is that there are two different adrenaline systems and two different adrenalines. Did you realize that? No, I didn't. I was, that was okay. new to me. Your body has an norepinephrine and an epinephrine system. They're also called noradrenaline and, and, and adrenaline. Mm -hmm. They also are called alpha and beta because of the different adrenaline receptors they mm -hmm. stimulate. Now, both do much more than just make you angry and fearful. They also affect the whole rest of the body, the brain, the digestive system, the blood pressure, and these two systems work differently. That is, there's a fear fright adrenaline reaction and there's a fight attack adrenaline reaction uh -huh. these two different chemicals uh, exist at a high or low blood level and the dysfunction then occurs when one of them is too high you have an attack mode when you have the noradrenaline or alpha system and you have a fear fright or flee when you have the adrenaline system. So these two have to be treated differently depending on which adrenaline is up, is more reactive. This often occurs in together. In other words, you can have an alpha, you can have a beta adrenaline system where you're fear and then all of a sudden you're tired of being frightened and you become very violent and attack like a rabbit attacking a fox when it's cornered. Uh -huh. Now, this isn't just for children. This isn't just for the so-called bipolar child that we have now that is 
No, you can't say no to them without them having a, a meltdown. It's also in adults, road rage, bipolar disorder, autism, many other disease disorders. Unfortunately, the situation is often mistaken for oh, any kind of psychiatric state. But really, it's something that's built in our body and temporarily occurs, except it occurs more in people who haven't had a chance to mature and control their emotional reactivity. Does that make sense? That does make sense. That does. And before I move on to the next question, I have a question, and maybe I'm getting ahead of one mm-hmm. you're going to answer. But um, my question is, when you said there's two different kinds, the beta and the alpha, Yes. how and am I right in you said one of them produces a more outward aggressive behavior. Is that right? That's how you know the difference between which one is reacting, is over, is overly high. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to have to skip, really pare that down because that's two chapters in the book. But <laughs> ba- basically, okay. the beta adrenaline is the fright person who uh-huh. swings violently in a non-focused way, just trying to defend himself, but basically wants to run. But then the aggression can take over, and the person becomes, uh, with different symptoms, the aggressive person with the alpha has things like wild-looking eyes. Uh, They attack specifically the one person. Normally the person is trying to control them. They often will have a loss of memory. Uh, So that one can tell a distinction. You say this person has a beta rage, this person has an alpha rage, and this person has a mixed. Goes from one, goes from normally beta to alpha. I see. One more thing I need to say. Sure. When you have a beta rage, you're looking for security and a strong care caregiver figure will be able to calm them down with their voice or putting their arms around them. If you have an alpha rage, you have a tiger-like individual. Don't put your arms around him. When he, when he attacks you, push him away and put distance between you and say, you stop and I'll stop. Now, that's more than I'm supposed to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. That it, that answered, yes, that was very clear. So, so the, the point is, People say you can't medicate behavior, but this is not just behavior. This is specific behavior. There are other specific things about the beta person. He normally bites his nails. He uh, picks his fingers. He feels his heartbeat fast and so forth. Go ahead. No, that <clears throat> that certainly um, is a, a clear description. So if you can, uh, would you explain for our listeners how many of the behaviors that are associated with autism and other related conditions are often over-medicated, a subject that we speak a lot about? Well, most people, if they see a um, person with, with have a violence, they'll say, oh, he's psychotic, especially if he has an alpha rage, and they'll put him on antipsychotics at high doses. Mm-hmm. And the uh, other thing they'll say if they're less less violent is that they have ADHD, and so they'll put them on Ritalin or an, another another 
drug to treat uh, ADHD. So, or sometimes both, am I correct? Sometimes yeah, both. sometimes both. Right. So the physicians and parents sometimes can spend a great deal of time re- dealing with behaviors and never consider using these anti-adrenaline medicines. They call them heart medicines or blood pressure medicines. They don't realize that adrenaline affects the brain as well. So they use these medications, which are just mildly helpful. Some of these, some of these individuals who are I put on the the image, the adrenaline medicines, will get better in four days, six days, two weeks, and go off these other medications. Now those other medications have their use, but they're very much overused. A point I think many would agree with. The other problem is that when you use the atypical antipsychotics like Risperdal and Abilify in the high doses, you miss their wonderful socialization capacity at low doses. Interesting. Okay. We call this the name Immature Adrenaline System Overactivity, I-A-S-O. Now, the reason we use that is we try and emphasize this is not a disease. It's an immature reflex that needs to be overcome. Okay? Mm -hmm. All right. So bipolar NOS medication of of mood stabilizers is, is very much overused. And what we need what we need to do is recognize first of all the adrenaline overactivity and then those that don't get treated don't get better look for other diseases. Go ahead. And Anything else? No, um I was going to say, uh, I think, you know, what you're describing is something that is such a current topic because especially with the new diagnostic manual coming out, which could further increase the bipolar um, type diagnoses, the disruptive mood dysregulation disorder, which is trying to target these behaviors and, again, looking at these psychotropic medicines to um, to really sort of raise the stakes, if you will, I believe, we believe. Um, And I think what you're saying is so important that it it really, what it sounds like to me is we're saying to take a safer approach as well as perhaps a more sound approach to what really may be causing the problem. Yeah, alpha and beta blockers are the two adrenaline medicines I use, alpha for the alpha stopping, beta for the beta. Mm-hmm. And they, when used in children, they can they normally last about three, four years, and then they can often be taken off. They're, yeah. And the other thing is we don't use a too high a dose. We use maybe one or two pills of the uh lowest dose. 
also a, lo- a lower dose than what would normally be. Yeah. It, well, then, yeah, even much lower than high than the use for high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. In some cases, beta adrenaline overreactivity can be stabilized by behavior techniques. In other words, you, the behavior people can help the person who has this fright rage and make them feel secure through programming. But when you get to the alpha, they develop this anti-get-away-from-me-don't-tread-on-me type behavior, and it's very, very difficult mm-hmm. to treat those except through intense behavioral programming, and you know, m- most of us can't do that. That's true. Well, and it <clears throat> it sounds like a good um, mix of behavioral therapy and, again, using low-dose medication, which is certainly less uh, intrusive than psychotropics yeah. that, that we're just using too cavalier. If you could, Dr. Ankerman, tell us, is there some special advice that you may have for parents that are seeking help from professionals who aren't familiar with any of this information that you've provided in your book, or maybe they're not as familiar with the information in terms of these disorders. How can you help parents to help well, those professionals? Well, first of all, you got to realize doctors don't understand this, and they're not going to learn from me too well because they have a system of, the, of treatment. Mm-hmm. So I've written a whole chapter in my book on how to take the, how to take such a situation to the doctor, and you have to do it carefully. You have to not get upset if the doctor says, "I don't know anything about this. I'm not going to use it." There's, and I've I've lined out steps for how you can show the doctor that this is significant. Hopefully, in the next five years, or even sooner, people will be able to see the importance of this type of medication treatment. There's a uh, Diane, it's Marianne. You know, this is yeah. just a fascinating and such important interview that I, I'm going to just butt in. I'm sorry. Oh, no, please um, do, Marianne. Please do. Uh, you know, Dr. Ankerman, this is something that, um, you know, I've interviewed. I've spoke to um, Dr. Temple Grandin about. I've spoke with other psychiatrists about. And you're right. A lot of the doctors aren't getting this. But... Um, like you said, these beta blockers can make such huge differences in a child's life. Um, you know, I don't know if you want to go into specifics, but I know that some of them, like Inderol, which have been around forever, which is a fairly benign drug, um, can be very helpful. Um, do you find that those type of medications, I know they use them um, in um, residential facilities for children that are very, very aggressive. Yeah, the, the one difficulty is that Inderol causes great improvement of the beta rage, sometimes makes the alpha rage worse. That's really? how come, okay. And that's how come doctors stopped, using, stopped trying to use these medicines back in the 80s, that they had bad results, inconsistent results, and that's where the use of the alpha blocker comes in and also uses the beta blockers other than Inderol which don't cause the alpha rage to become worse. Well, what type so, of um, family... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to take over your interview. Um, no, no, what you're type fine, of, um, What type of drug would cover both, um, you know, what class of medication? I mean, I guess it wouldn't be a beta blocker. Is there a, a medication that's both beta and alpha? No, well, that's, no, that doesn't work. 
you'll have to you have to read the book to understand it. But I'll tell you the two that are, are the best is the Alpha Blocker of Cardura or Doxazacin, and the Beta Blocker, which is new, called Bistolic. Because it doesn't it B Y S T O L I C. Okay. And it does not have any beta two activity. It's only beta one. I'm not going to explain to you the difference, but beta two is bad if you if you have blocking beta two is bad if you have an alpha rage. Makes it worse. And that's the reason that most people have stopped using propranolol because maybe one out of three people got didn't didn't respond to it. So that's that's why the book that's is out now. That's very interesting. Because I think and, a lot of parents run into this problem where they're trying so many medications, and I mean they have to. These children, you know, they're trying to keep them home. They're trying to keep them safe. They're trying to keep their family members safe. And um, you know, the the neuroleptics and the antidepressants just aren't doing it. And um, you know, I just want to thank you for joining us. And you know, I, I'm very I can't wait to hear the rest of the interview. But uh, you know, it really is an option that parents have to look into. But if you could talk about how a parent could identify this or a doctor could identify this, okay, I would love to hear that. First of all, the alpha rage is the best. You ask them if they have wild eyes. They look like they're possessed when they get into rage. Do they claim not to remember certain things? And do they attack focused like like a lion going after a prey? And you'll know those. Those are the ones that you try and hold down. It takes five policemen. The beta is a little bit different. They will they will respond to to the authority of it of a of a caregiving figure that they respect, they feel secure with. They'll just calm right down. They also generally are nervous, pick their fingernails, bite their fingernails, and have tremor of their fingers going back and forth sideways when they are upset. Now, in both cases, they'll be physically very strong. They'll be three times as strong as they are otherwise. The other thing is, the beta rage person will say, I tried to stop and couldn't, and I'm sorry I didn't mean it. The alpha rage will say, you attack me again, I'll hit you again. Right. That's more aggression. Right. And wow, that's so interesting. I just have one more question, and then I'm going to just say goodbye. But I know that a lot of kids, um, one of the problems that parents um, run into is that um, – you know, obviously these are the medications they need that they have an adrenaline dysregulation, but they may have asthma. Um, are there any alternatives for kids that may have um, asthma because you can't take these if you have asthma? Oh, asthma is beta 2. And guess what? What? Bistolic by stolic doesn't affect beta 2. As a matter of fact, I put the what? somebody on by stolic does not affect beta 2, so it can be used in asthmatics. Oh, wow. Well, and in retrospect, enough. in retrospect, I had a kid that was on diastolic because of his asthma. And within six weeks, he stopped being a school bully and was joined the regular class. And I didn't think wow. anything about it at that time. But that's the first time I had been able to put him on beta blockers. So diastolic handles the beta, the asthma problem. 
Okay, well, thank you. Well, Diane, continue. This is a fantastic interview. No, thank you for sharing, Marianne. You, as always, you you have fascinating questions. I'm I'm thrilled that you joined us. I am. Oh, okay. And Rebecca well, couldn't be you. here tonight, and so she she as well. We tend to ask different questions, but um. Certainly no, I didn't ask you one question. Excuse me for interrupting. Oh no, go ahead. The other thing the parent can do is take the pulse rate. When the child is at normal rest, when he's at normal play, and when he's as close as to when he's having a meltdown as possible. And if he pulse rent tends to run normally over 90 when he's at rest, believe me, it runs 130 or higher when he's not at rest, when he's agitated. And that's the thing you use to show the doctor that maybe adrenaline has something to do with it. Now, they won't necessarily respond right away because this is not taught the average doctor. There's, there's, right now, there's practically no place that teaches about adrenaline and behavior activity. So that is a way for parents to keep track of that at a resting time and compare that to when the child may be having an aggressive, an yeah. aggression. I don't advise the average parent to go in and listen to the pulse when the kid's having a meltdown. Right. But uh, as soon after as you can. Absolutely. Well, as Marianne added, this is fascinating because it is such a huge concern. I know we've talked um, about other cases here on our program with um, eight-year-olds, children is as young as eight years old being put on so many cocktail medications that they end up in residential care and more from the overload of the medications than the behavior that caused it to start with. Now, lest lest we think that this is an end-all of everything, about 70% of the patients that I see with the diagnosis of bipolar disorder at range get better on the adrenaline medicine. I mean, get cured of their rage. About 30% have something else, like obsessions or or true ADHD, and they need other medications. So one out of three will will do somewhat well, and two out of three will do very well, in my in my in my experience. And the other nice thing is that they're not contradicted with each other. So, um, you know, a child can take a beta blocker um, or, you know, um, one of these other medications you spoke about um, with a neuroleptic or with an antidepressant from what I've heard. I mean, of course, you know, you'd have to speak to your doctor, but um, it it could also be an add-on, you know. The... uh the beta blocker is the first thing I look at, and many people who are on people who have true ADHD will not tolerate the stimulant at first. But then, when we, when you get when they have their beta system or their adrenaline system calm down, then we discover that they will respond to the to the ADHD medicine. But many people are put on ADHD medicine that do not have attention deficit disorder. They're really overactive in their adrenaline system. And is this 
and I know you mentioned this, and I just wondered how much um, that you talk about this with adults as well as children. I know you had mentioned that earlier, that if there are adults who maybe have suffered with these issues and not had a diagnosis, this is as effective with adults as it is with children, am I correct? Yes, except for this. Most adults who haven't matured in their adrenaline system have a reason for not doing it. Maybe it's post-traumatic stress. Maybe it's uh, just a poor life in general, one that doesn't have many rewards. So they're more they're more complicated. You expect immaturity in a child, and you expect it to go away. It's harder to deal with an adult about immaturity. And remember, that's the diagnosis that we make: immature, overactive, adrenergic uh, reactivity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that you know, on the on the closet touch has been one of my main goals. Um, you know, as um, Diane will tell you, I started the coffee clutch because, um, you know, I wanted parents to really try to find an organic basis uh, for their children's behaviors, and this is as pure an example as you're going to find. Um, you know, for for um, you know a, a possible cause um, for these behaviors because the limbic system. You know, you know, if you can just go into that, I mean, how it just can affect everything for these kids. Yeah. One of, one of the problems we have is we expect the rational system of the brain to run our lives. Johnny, why did you do that? What were you thinking? The answer is he wasn't. He was reacting emotionally. He wasn't thinking, and he doesn't know why. And this helps Johnny be able to think and be able to control himself so that he can not do these things. And he he gets tremendous relief. The parents get relief. The child also gets relief. He realizes he's not a loser. He just has a, a, a mechanism he can't control. Right. It brings it back into a much more biological state instead of a mental state, which I think is one of the points you set out to make in the first place. And, you know, before we, um, gosh, we could just, I'm sure Marianne and I could come up with questions for you all night, and I can see why Temple enjoyed her conversations with you and has been so supportive, because she, too, is very concerned about the over-medication that's going on with our kids. It's one of the, the strongest topics that we discuss together. Let me just emphasize something else. There sure. are medications that make it easier for so, for autistic to socialize. One of them is low-dose Abilify and Risperdal, that class. But it has to be low-dose, and I mean really low-dose. And doctors haven't discovered this because they use the high doses for behavior, which are mostly ineffective. So Absolutely. We have a double-edged sword here. We have something that helps them act more maturely, and we have something that makes them more social. And... By more social, I mean overnight they may start tolerating peers being around them and touching them after they start the medication. That's an, that's another subject to which I'll talk about later on or maybe write a book on. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll and come back. We can do a whole show yeah. on that. 
Certainly. And those children are much easier to program. I see autism experts spend much of their time dealing with rage when they when they ought to be helping the autistic individual leap those barriers that, between them and socializing with their peers normally. I couldn't agree with you more, and I'm sure Marianne agrees. Absolutely. Please tell us, so we get this information out there, where you can be found. Where can they find your book? Where can they find more information? Okay, we have a website named the same as the book, hopefortheviolentlyaggressivechild.com. The book is available on Amazon, although it's also available from us at the website. Why do you think it is that this is so underutilized? Because they tried, the doctors tried once, they used their, forgive me, mechanical double-blind tests, and a double-blind doesn't work out because you're not telling the difference between alpha and beta. It took me 20 years to figure out that I should use pistolic instead of the other medicine I'd used, uh, metoprolol. But then again, bistolic wasn't available 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So you had to have somebody sticking to it until the box opened up and the, ma- and the formula was found. So what you know? What can be done to encourage to encourage studies? I mean, I mean, is that what you were going to say, Marianne? What can we do to help spur this along so that we can? Maybe open up the line for more scientific research that can look at this again. What can we do to rally that? Um, I don't know. I didn't think a communist system would fall, and it did. So maybe the doctor's system will fall. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'm going to put a word in with uh, with uh, the Dr. Alan Francis. I'll tell you that. Um, you know, but, but another so thing I wanted to... I wanted to just point out that it, this, um, these medications, my understanding is that these medications, uh, these classes of medications, don't just affect rage and um, um, meltdowns, that they can also significantly affect um, socialization because um, the, the panic and the anxiety is lessened. Yeah. They also help those so-called learning disorders. I know that there are people with true anatomical learning disorders, but many of the ones I see are simply hyper-hyped up on their adrenaline. Wow. And and here's a question, too, because this relates to something. Temple speaks a lot about herself, and I happen to know also several people who suffer from this with autism. She said her panic attacks that she caused them, she really didn't need the medication for that until she reached her 20s. And... And, I mean, is this part of what you're describing that that's part of the problem, too, or the, what's called the panic attacks with some some forms of autism? Some panic attacks in autistic and non-autistic are due to a fear of abandonment and the security system in the brain. Other panic attacks are mostly symptoms of the heart beating fast and frightening the individual. My heart's beating fast, I'm going to die. Those are helped very much with the beta blockers. 
So, th- so these are very effective on those symptoms as well. Yes. And I, I can't even begin to talk about how adrenaline affects things like the bowel function and uh, the coordination of the body. There's just many areas that we have neglected because we all just said, oh, yeah, we know about adrenaline. We know what it will do. And it goes away. It, it, you know, it, it also isn't, um, these aren't uh, drugs that are, um, you know, especially interesting, uh, interested by the pharmaceutical companies because there's been so many out. You know, yeah, exactly. Uh, which uh, also affects um, our kids. The other, thing is, the other thing is that psychiatrists don't know about them, and so they say, oh, there may be side effects. There are hardly any side effects in the doses we use. And there's certainly more side effects in the high in high, in high dose antipsychotics and mood stabilizers. But we often I often find that family doctors are more willing to use these drugs than psychiatrists. Right. And that's legitimate because they know the they know what these blockers do. Because they're more yeah. familiar with them. Right. That makes absolute sense, which is I why... I think they're more comfortable with And, you know, actually that is how it should be because, you know, the, you know, I, I'm not a big proponent of, um, you know, pediatricians prescribing these psychiatric medications, but, um, you know, this class of medication they use in children that have, you know, cardiac issues, whatever, and as you said, right. it uh, has a very, you know, fairly safe profile. I mean, obviously the child would have to go for cardiac testing, you know, prior, but... Um, it's just a fantastic. I'm so glad that uh, you know you found us and we found you. <laughs> Let me make one more statement. There are there's a new push for medications like clonidine, long-acting clonidine, and guan and uh, the uh, long-acting medication 10x, and the mm-hmm. new long-acting formulation which I can't remember. Uh, these. The trouble with clonidine is not specific. It lowers both alpha and beta somewhat, but it doesn't have a blocking effect that the beta blockers and alpha blockers do. But many times you'll go to the doctor and they'll say, oh, we'll use clonidine or we'll use uh, 10X, and that'll do it for us because that, that helps adrenaline. It helps but somewhat. Clonidine but clonidine has... I, I had experience when my son was young that he was... Um, Clonidine was a, a regular routine, and it worried me, especially when some of the research came out that the side effects had been very serious, and and it made me stop stop using clonidine. But so you're saying that these medications you're speaking about may not have the serious side effects that something like clonidine would have. Actually, clonidine is not that bad in the low doses we use, but it's. It's not as specific. It's like a traffic cop telling a speeding car to stop as opposed to a concrete bunker. Mm-hmm. concrete right. bunker gets it stopped. Mm-hmm. A traffic cop may or may not. Okay. Well, that makes perfect sense. Thank you so much for being our guest. This has been just a fascinating conversation. Will you come back, Dr. Ankerman? I'd love to have you come back. There's so many more. I mean, Diane, we could talk about the... I mean, the how it can change a child and 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 make them able to learn. Um, you know, we would love to have you back on. Well, you 
you can talk to me, but uh, much of this is written in the books. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the website, there's a lot of information available there. Oh, well, we'll be putting that out. Okay. We certainly will. We thank well, you so much. Thank and you for giving me the opportunity to speak to your audience, and I hope they gain. Well, and we appreciate your efforts. As I mentioned in the beginning, what you've done is phenomenal. Um, at post-retirement age, your passion and dedication is just to be admired. It is, and we, we just thank you for that. Is, is that what you call it, post-retirement age? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I like that. I like that. Well, I think you're grumpy, extremely knowledgeable. old man. <laughs> Well, and we before I forget, because I did forget to mention in the beginning, we do have a wonderful sponsor of our program, and that is Mayor Johnson. And um, there's a new information about their catalog. Marion, would you speak about that? Um, yeah, they have um, a new e-catalog on their website. It is amazing. And right now they have um, so many of their um, items on sale. I mean, in case you don't know, um, Mayor Johnson is the world super source for special education um, products. Um, they are the creators of Boardmaker. I mean, they are just it's Mayor Johnson. Um, you can go to their website, mayorjohnson.com, um, or you can go to our website, and, you know, we have their banners up. Uh, I mean, we thank is them Mayor for sponsoring us. M-A-Y- is Mayor spelled M-A-Y-E-R? M-A-Y-E-R, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N.com. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Enkeman. And again, we'll both be promoting your information and talking about it, sharing it. Um, You know, we'll certainly uh, make our uh, readers and others that we run across aware of this information. This is just really good, and we thank you for coming on tonight. Okay. Okay. Thank, Thank you. Have a pleasure meeting you. Have a great Bye. weekend. Thanks, Diane. Thank- uh huh. Thank you, Marion. Bye bye.